0: Give thanks to him. Bless, blessed be his name. For the Lord is good; his steadfast in love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generation. Amen. Amen. Tonight, I want to welcome you guys all to uh, to this wonderful service that we have. Amen. The the ability to be in the presence of God, the opportunity to be here, is it, just uh, for me. It's overwhelming to constantly show up to be able to be in the presence of God with my brothers and sisters. And so tonight, I welcome all of you guys who are here in person and online, and also for the, for the church that is also attending, uh, Victory's Church. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had the uh, pleasure of uh, partnering to go to, to, the co- to go to the conference in, uh, in Portland, and did, did the Lord show up? Yes, He did. Amen. And God is good, and tonight, I pray that uh, we continue this fellowship together, and that the Lord continues to show up. In this next prayer, I want us to come before the Lord with thanksgiving. So many times we come to the Lord and we say, God, I need this. God, I want this. I desire this. I, I, I wish for this. I, I pray for that. And, and that, those are all good things. I'm not saying those are bad. But this, this prayer, I pray that we come before the Lord with thankfulness. Amen. Come to the Lord with thanksgiving. We were at camp a week ago. And this guy I was talking to, he goes, hey, I was praying during service. And for some reason, nothing was happening for me. And we started just chatting, and I said, so what did you end up doing? He goes, I ended up, you know, my usual prayers are, God, give me this. God, help me with that. And he goes, you know what? I did that prayer. I said, forget about it. Let me just thank the Lord. And you know what happened moments later? God's love just poured over him. He goes, the rest of the service, the rest of the the camp was amazing because I was, I start off with just being thankful to God for how good he is. Are there not things in our lives that we should be thankful for? I totally agree with you guys. So tonight, I want us to come before the Lord with a thankful heart. God, I thank you for everything that you have done for me this week, this last month, this year. I thank you for what you are doing right now in my heart, in my church, in my family, in my congregation, at work, at school, wherever you may be. God, thank you for everything that you're doing and for who you are. So tonight, I encourage you guys, in this next prayer, let's come before him with a thankful heart. And not only that, let us come before the Lord, thanking him for being present. Thanking him for the prayer that we're going to have, for the worship that we're going to have, for the testimonies that we're going to hear, for the message that we're going to hear, and for the wonderful choir combination that we're going to be hearing, and the prayers that we're going to be uh, the praying. Let's come before the Lord with a thankful heart in this next prayer. Amen? Let us pray. God, we come before you. We just want to thank you for everything that you're doing. We want to thank you that you're constantly with us, that you're constantly strengthening us. God, I pray that you continue just to be accepting of our thankfulness, of who you are, of how good you are.
1: Aleluia!
2: Înainte ca să ocupați locurile, aș vrea să vă invit să luați o clipă, să salutați pe cei din jurul dumneavoastră. Dacă nu vă cunoașteți, faceți cunoștință și în numele Domnului! Avem un privilegiu deosebit să fim în casa Domnului după masa aceasta și de fiecare dată când ne adunăm în numele Domnului, avem certitudinea că Domnul va pregăti ceva pentru sufletele noastre. Permiteți-mi să vă aduc salutul călduros de la frații din Marysville, unde am petrecut azi dimineață. Frații au inaugurat o clădire pe care au construit-o, de care s-au bucurat și împreună cu mai mulți frați păstori, reprezentanți din sacramentul și nu numai, ne-am bucurat la aceste momente de dedicare a unui nou locaș de închinare și fratele păstor Liviu Feceu ne-a să ducem salutul lor, bisericilor fiecare unde vom ajunge. Doresc în toată inima pe ei și pe noi, Domnul să ne binecuvintează! Vă salutăm încă o cu multă dragoste pe fiecare din dumneavoastră care sunteți cu noi la închinare. Vrem să salutăm frații în mod special de la Biserica Victorii, care sunt cu noi după masa aceasta. Vrem să le dăm posibilitatea să laude pe Domnul, să cânte, să vestească Sfânta Evanghelie. Iar noi ne deschidem inimile și să zicem, vorbește Doamne că robii Tăi ascultă, Domnul să ne ajute goes group will praise the lord and then the combined youth choir from Maranatha and Victory will sing a song or whatever they prepare for us după punctele acestea ne rugăm și dorim din toată inima ca Dumnezeu să binecuvinteze pe fratele Robert Sif să aducă un mesaj în numele Domnului Dumnezeu să-l binecuvintească
3: I'm singing for you, for my own, for de la for my la For la own, for my own. For my own, for grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won. He is risen from the dead, and I will rise when He calls my name. No.
4: to please stand to your feet. For those of you that have your Bibles, uh, tonight we will be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, but I will be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 and all of chapter 2. After I read this, I'm going to invite you guys to bow your heads with me as I do a small prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18, and this is what the Word of God says. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Chapter 2. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your fate might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do not... For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, amen. Please bow your heads with me as I pray. Lord, we come before you tonight and we ask one thing, we ask God that you be glorified and that Christ be preached in this message. God, in my weakness, in my incapabilities, I pray that you, O God, would take over, that you would open up our minds and our hearts and that you, O Holy Spirit, will illuminate us to understand who it is that you are. I pray that our love for you, God, would grow through this message, God, that you would do this word, God. Help us to correctly understand your word, God, to your glory, God. We thank you, Father, for sending your son for us, though we deserve nothing of it, and for dying on the cross for us, God, that we might be yours, God. We thank you for these precious truths, and I pray that they will be very real to us tonight. We thank you for all that you are, and all that you do, God, and who you are, God. These things we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. You may take your seats. Throughout throughout the Bible and um, throughout church history, we see a certain occupation that men of God have uh, in the Bible. And that is to call out bad teaching, to call out heresies, to call out things that are not of God but pretend to be of God. Uh, You look at Paul and you'd be hard-pressed to find an epistle or a letter of Paul where he doesn't address Heresies, or he doesn't address bad teachings. In fact, many times when Paul is speaking, he starts out with the negative. He says, look, this is what you guys are doing. This is what has been said. That is wrong, and here is the truth, right? You look at Jesus and the ministry of Jesus here on earth, and and you see the way that he spoke to the Pharisees, the way that he addressed the Pharisees. You look uh, just a little bit of study throughout church history, and you see that the men of God, the theologians, and the pastors of God throughout church history Constantly had to battle and to deal with false teaching, with with wolves that came in looking like sheep, preaching things that pre- they pretended were of Christ, but in reality were not. This is the occupation of men of God. This is the occupation of of pastors and shepherds. and And here in this passage, you know, I read First Corinthians from verse eighteen, chapter one, verse eighteen, all the way to and, and all of chapter two. But what we're going to be focusing on tonight is just the first five verses of chapter 2. Now I read more than that because it's, it's important to understand the context of the very things that Paul is saying here. We know from the word of God, from, uh, from Romans, Romans tells us that we as people were once enemies of God. In fact, the Bible says that we hated God. And if that was true of us and that it was true of each and every single person in this place at one point in time at least, uh, how much more true is that of the world, right? And so we should expect as a church, as a people of God, to to be facing a world that, that hates God, that hates us as Christians, and that will come into our churches and preach things that distort truth that distort the word of God. We have to be a people that are in a sense are on top of our game a people that have this discernment of the word of God and of who God is and to be able to recognize what is biblical and what is not. It's a must it's a necessity for us. Today um and we see that throughout Scripture. We see it in 2 Corinthians chapter eleven, Second 2 Peter chapter 2, Matthew 7, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're warned constantly that in the last days there will be people that will be searching and seeking for the tickling of the year. We want to hear positive, feel-good messages. right? And we're warned by Scripture that Satan is an angel of light. We're warned by Scripture that there will be wolves that come in in clothes of sheep. They, they will look like us. They will even use our language. They will sound like us. And if we don't have that spiritual discernment to understand what is true, what is right, and what is wrong, we will be fooled by these very things. I heard an illustration by a, a preacher, and I'm, I'm going to take that illustration. This is not my illustration. I'm going to paraphrase this illustration for you guys. But I think it's to our benefit. And so this preacher uh, used this illustration. This is basically what he said. Imagine if this city, the city of Sacramento, was to be a city where every church was to be filled to the brim with people, where church attendance was good, right? Imagine a city where no longer would you see bars, but they would be closed down, where no longer you would see youth that uh, are struggling with pornography, where no longer you see, uh, you know, BLM and and all of these social tensions where you have polite young men that say yes sir and no ma'am. Imagine a a society that learns to be polite and knows how to act and and religiously speaking everything checks out. Where even our churches on a Sunday they're filled to the brim where we feel good where we're happy to see each other. But where from the pulpit Christ is never preached. This Preacher said in this illustration that that would be Satan's greatest joy. Satan, the enemy doesn't care if we come into the house of God, if we proclaim to be Christians, if we profess Christ with our mouth, if we are not actually true to what the word of God says, if we do not actually know Jesus Christ, if he is not in fact the love of our lives. Satan doesn't, matter, doesn't care about that. He'll happily let us go down in this deceptive route where we think we're doing well, where we think we're on the right path. I'm reminded of the passage in Matthew where Jesus is telling these people, depart from me for I never knew you. And what did these people respond back? But Jesus, Lord, Lord, did we not do this and did we not do that? Did we not cast out demons and speak in tongues and do all of these miracles? And what did Jesus reply back? Depart from me for I never knew you. You see, these are very serious things that we're talking about. We so easily can be uh, deceived into thinking that we're something that we're actually not. We can so easily call ourselves Christian without actually knowing who this Christ that we profess actually is. And so what Paul is telling us here in the first five verses of chapter 2 is that whenever he preaches, he doesn't preach morals He doesn't preach feel-good messages. He doesn't preach motivational speeches, but he preaches one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, And that is the call of every preacher, of every pastor, and in fact, of every single Christian. We profess Christ, yes, through our speech, yes, through preaching, but the way that we live our lives, everything is done to the glory of God. It says in 1 Corinthians that whether we eat or drink, do all things unto the glory of God. You see, in the smallest, most mundane things, our minds ought to go to Jesus Christ. Everything goes to God. Everything goes to Jesus. Why do you do the things that you do? Because you want to give glory to God. Because he has so saved you and so left a mark on you. So he he has birthed you. you. You are a new creature and you love him that much that you've given everything up for his glory. And that has to be a reality in our lives. Today, the sad reality today in modern evangelical Christian churches, and I'm speaking in a broad sense, uh, the sad reality is that Jesus Christ is not preached. We preach morals. We act as if this book is a book that will get you a better life. When in fact this book, everything in this book, it preaches about Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, said this, I read a text, no matter the text that I read, and then I make a beeline to the cross. Because everything in this book is about Jesus Christ. You see, the Old Testament, the first covenant, everything in the Old Testament prophesied and spoke about the coming of Jesus Christ. Absolutely everything, from Genesis chapter 2 all the way to Revelations, it's all about Jesus Christ. That was the first covenant, and we're told through the prophets in the Old Testament, that there will be a new covenant. And so we see this first covenant that that speaks of the coming of Jesus Christ. And then what happens? Jesus Christ comes and he dies for you and I, people that were enemies of God, that hated God, that had nothing to do with God, that didn't want God. He died for us because he first loved us, right? But then what does he say after that? What does Jesus say in, in John chapter 16? That when he ascends, that when Jesus ascends, when he leaves this earth, he will, uh, the Holy Spirit will come and descend and will live in us. And, and we're going to look back uh, further on into this, into this sermon uh, on that passage. But what does he say in John 16, 14, that he will glorify me, that the Holy Spirit will pe- speak of Jesus Christ. You see, the first covenant, it was all about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes on the earth. It's all about him. Then he leaves and the Holy Spirit is here today in this age, in this covenant. And all we have points back to Jesus Christ. Again and again and again, it's Jesus. There's no room for moral, therapeutic, feel-good messages. If Christ is not preached, there is no power. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Think about it. To those that hear the message, it means absolutely nothing. It's folly to them. Why do you keep talking about Jesus? Why do you keep bringing him up? So what if he died 2,000 years ago? But what does the verse continue on to say? But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We have churches today where we preach this motivational type of messages and our youth are enslaved and stuck in sin. There is no power, right? And we hear these motivational preachings and sermons and they feel good and it it sounds like it is of the word of God. And and there's some effect, right? We go a day, we go two, maybe a couple weeks where it, it seems like it produces fruit. It seems like we no longer are battling with pornography. We're no longer battling with the sins that we've been battling with. But eventually we fall back into the same sins. And we have in our youth this cycle that happens again and again and again where we wait for a camp like the summit. I know you guys went to the summit, and it was the first year that I missed in a while. But, and these camps are so good. They're, they're so good. But we await these camps. We await special gatherings. We await these special things because we're waiting for that motivational thing that will stir us up and will keep us going for a couple weeks. And then we fall flat, and we say, man, I can't wait until next camp. Why? Because the sermons that we hear, the things that we preach, where our eyes, are, our eyes are fixated is not upon Christ, but is in fact upon us. You see, all of these moral, therapeutic, motivational preachings, at the end of the day, it makes man the center of it all. And it removes Jesus Christ. And we're told in this verse exactly what happens. You complain of a lack of power in your life, You complain that you keep going back into the same sin again and again and again. Well, look what the word of God says. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What is the power of God? The word of the cross, Jesus Christ. You want to have power in God? Study Christ. Meditate upon Christ. Uh, Understand who Christ is. Understand what what Isaiah 53 talks about when, when, when the prophet says that it pleased the father to crush the son. What does that mean? Do you know the attributes of God, his sovereignty, his immutability, who he is, who this Jesus Christ that we proclaim, that we profess to know, do we actually know who he is? Or are we used to just hearing things about him that at the end of the day really just glorify us? How many times do we hear that Jesus wants to do this and that for you? And and so many times they're true, but because they're only half truths, because they only say half the story... They become lies. Yes, Jesus wants to bless us. Yes, Jesus is good to us. That is a glorious truth. But if you leave out the rest, if you leave out your sin, if you leave out the fact that we deserve nothing of God, if you leave out his glory and the suffering that he had on the cross, then it means absolutely nothing. It is devoid of power. And in fact, it glorifies you and not Jesus Christ. We need to look back upon these things. And to think about the way that we are proclaiming Christ. Uh, What do we tell people, those on the streets, about Jesus Christ? I've heard this phrase and this terminology used many times and it irks me every time. Try Jesus. As if Jesus is some method or some test or some, I don't know, some gym routine that you can try. And if it doesn't work out for you, well then, it's okay, I guess you can go do something else. Where do you find something like that in the Bible? The Bible doesn't use that type of language, that type of terminology. You know what the Bible, the the picture that the Bible paints to us is that we're sinners dead in our sin, that we hate God. And it is only because of the love that God has for us that we've ever begun to understand who God is. That Christ saved us despite our sin, And in fact, when Jesus says repent and believe, it is a command. And if you do not obey that command, you will suffer in eternity hell. Is that what we say? Or do we say try Jesus because I know you've got your life kind of figured out, but maybe if you just add Jesus on top of what you have already, maybe you'll be happier. We act as if Jesus can be this cherry on the top of your Sunday ice cream. Jesus tells Nicodemus, in order to inherit eternal life, you must be born again. Is there a clear distinction in your life between the man that you used to be and the man that Christ has made you be? Is there a difference? I hope none of us on that day, on that faithful day, will look to Jesus and hear those words, depart from me for I never knew you. What is our response going to be? But Jesus, I came to Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, a service after service after service. I sang in choir. I preached from the pulpit. I did all of these things. I helped so many people. I did all of this stuff. And Jesus was going to look at us and say, depart from me for I never knew you. But Jesus, I felt so good during worship. In that camp, it felt so good. I felt your presence. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Do we know who Jesus Christ is? Is he the love of our lives? Is he the attention that, 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 we, that we give? Where do we give our attention? What is it in life that we so emphasize and so desire? Is it Jesus Christ? Or is it something that ultimately glorifies us? 1 Corinthians 1, verse 22, it says this, For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and folly to Gentiles. And I want to point out that verse because as we go into uh, chapter 2, the first five verses, it is an important context for us. Because Paul is speaking here to a people, you know, Corinth was a city in Greece, and there were Greek people in the church, and so Paul is Speaking to these people that were so amazed at the wisdom of man. The Greeks at the time had a wealthy history of philosophers and of great orators. Right? And so the Greeks, the same way that we go to movies and, and uh, I don't know, listen to music or whatever we do for entertainment, their source of entertainment, their, their primary source of entertainment was they would gather around and hear these great orators that were able to elicit emotional responses, that were able to kind of you know, change minds and hearts and, 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 and do these wonderful things where people would leave crying or, or feeling joy or feeling peace or whatever it would be. They would go to these people because they were great orators. And and the Greeks, when Paul came, the Greeks expected the very same thing from Paul. And so I just want to read, before we dive into these five verses, I just want to read these five verses again and see Paul's take on this. So chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your fate might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. What is Paul telling these people, these these people in Corinth? Look, I know, this is basically what Paul was saying. I know you guys expect me to be a great orator. I know you guys expect me to move you with my speech and and with the way that I act and and, and, and all of these different things. But Paul is basically telling these people, look, I will not rest on my ability to change you because I can't. The only thing that can change a man, the only real power that can take a dead man as Ephesians 2 tells us, and bring life to him is the power of God. Is what Jesus Christ did on the cross and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in demonstration of the Spirit in verse 4. Let's look at the first five verses and let's see exactly what Paul is saying. Verse 1, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, You see, there was no gimmicks with Paul. There was no, yes, God, I know that your word is good, but let me help you out a little bit. Let's dim the lights a little bit. Let's get a nice guitar going. Let's try to produce this emotional response because I know your word is good, but maybe I can help you out. He says there was no room for lofty speech or my own manly wisdom. There was no room for that. His only hope, Paul's only hope, was that the truth that is in Scripture might change the hearts of man. There was no pragmatism. We see this modern-day ideology of let's adapt to the culture. Let's try to look like the world and bring them in, and then we'll preach Christ. There's a quote, I don't know who it's by, but it says this, What you win them with, you win them to. If you win them with the wisdom of man, you win them to the wisdom of man. If you win them with the power of God, you win them to God. Our churches today, and I'm speaking broadly, uh, the, the Christian church today, our churches today are filled with people that do not know Jesus Christ, that call themselves Christians because they go to church, but that don't know Christ. And on that day, Jesus will look at them and say, depart from me for I never knew you. And why is this the case? It is our pastors, our preachers. Of course, I'm not talking about this church or my church. Or, but Broadly speaking, men of God who have been entrusted with the word of God, uh, me and you from, from, from uh, the, the pews, right, that have been entrusted to God and to make disciples, that rather than just simply preaching the truth, we distort it. We try to help God out. We try to adapt it to 21st century ideology and in the process of doing so we empty it of its power you want this church to be on fire you want this church to be full of power you want your youth to be free from sin and to be men of God and to grow preach Jesus Christ Study Jesus Christ again and again and again. It doesn't matter what text it is, brother and sister. It doesn't matter if it's from Leviticus, if it's the law, if it's Revelations. It doesn't matter what it is. Everything speaks of Jesus Christ. Everything we do is for the glory of Jesus. Look at verse five. So that your fate might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. We do these things. We distort. We try to help God. We try to add these gimmicks that's what it produces. Verse 5. Our, our faith will, will rest in the wisdom of man. And then, when there aren't wise men, where it, when there isn't that great orator that can move you, where, where there isn't that gathering, that, that camp to move you, we're dead. Why? Because we're resting on the wisdom of man and not the power of God. All we need in the pulpit, all we need from you and I, is to know God and to just preach that. It's so simple. We don't need to wait for anybody special. The special one is Jesus Christ. And this is his word, and he has given it to us. Look to it today. Don't wait. Don't wait for something to happen. Maybe, maybe there's some in here that are waiting for that experience, waiting for a special prophet or waiting for a special man of God to lay their hands on them and to, and to pray over them and to do this and to do that. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And today, today, if you run to him, he will not turn you away. John three sixteen. for whoever believes in him, right? Whoever believes in him, whoever runs to Christ, Christ does not turn away. So turn to him. But be wary, brother and sister, that you turn to the true Christ and that you don't turn to the gimmicks of man. That you, you don't turn to a, a person that people say is Jesus Christ, but really is a distortion of who he really is. That God cannot save. And that God will not save. Verse 2, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul is not preaching anti-intellectualism. Paul is not preaching anti-knowledge. He's not telling us to be ignorant. He's not telling us to be dumb. He's not telling us these things. What Paul is saying is, look, the philosophies of man, right? Because, remember, they're Greeks. They, they had all the philosophy and that they could possibly have. What Paul is telling him is look, none of that is of any matter except to know Jesus Christ. Right? If you want to know how to live a moral life, though that is not our primary concern, if you want to know how to live a moral life, if you want to grow, if you want to be wise, if you want to do anything, it is through Jesus Christ and His Word and the truth that is found in this Word. It is not through the philosophies of man. And so when Paul comes he's, and he tells them this thing, basically he's telling them, look, I'm not going to come in the pulpit and I'm not going to preach to you what Aristotle preached and what all of these other philosophers preached. There, there maybe was some truth in what they said. Surely there was some truth in what they said. But it is half-truth. And the real truth is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like verse 18 of chapter 1 says. And so Paul decides to trust fully in that gospel. You know, I, I heard Matt Chandler, if you guys know who he is, he used this example once. It stuck to me. Um, it's been very impactful for me. He, he talks about David and Goliath, and we all know the story of David and Goliath. Of course, every single person in this church knows the story of David and Goliath. And he talks, Matt Chandler's point was this, that, that we today make man the center of our Christianity, of our religion. And he used this story to emphasize that point. Many times, how many sermons have you heard where you are David in the story, right? Where there's a giant ahead of you, Goliath, and and where there's persecution or there's some sort of trial, there's some sort of mountain to overcome, and where you're David and you have to, you're the small one, but you're going to slay him somehow. Where you're the hero of the story. But his point was very important. We forget another character in the story, character per se, and that is the nation of Israel. That when Goliath came and said and mocked God, Goliath mocked God, the nation of Israel were a bunch of cowards. And and, and instead of standing up for the glory of God, they were fearful. They were scared. They had no chance against Goliath because of their fear. And this David that comes along, this meek and small person that no one thought anything of, he's the one that slays Goliath. Who is that David? It is Jesus Christ. You see, many times we take Jesus Christ and instead of making him the focal point, instead of giving him glory, we try to insert ourselves in that story. We're the cowards, brothers and sisters. We're the ones that had Goliath in front of us and could do nothing. And Jesus comes along, weak, small, frail, right? Think of how he was born. Think of how he was treated. No one thought anything of him. People mocked him. Same way that people mocked David. But he is the one that saved us. This is what Paul is essentially saying. Look, The only thing that I'm going to preach to all of you is Jesus Christ crucified. Because the power is there and and only there. If we want revival, we often preach about revival. Revival doesn't start with man. Revival doesn't start with what you have to do. Revival isn't about you wanting God more. Because the, the reality of the situation is you by yourself cannot want God more every inclination of yours is evil and it is only by the power of God that you do begin to love God more so how does revival start it starts with God it starts with meditating upon God it starts with knowing who he is it starts with knowing his commandments it starts with seeing who he is and the beautiful reality of the situation is this that God is so great so majestic so awesome that as you begin to study him you fall in love with him more and more and more So you want revival? Start with Jesus Christ. Don't start with what you can do. Don't start with the emotions or or whatever work or act you can produce. Because you will fail every single time. Start with God. Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And theologians vary on the exact meaning of this. Some say that it was a sickness of Paul. Others say that it was a fear of persecution. But it matters little to the meaning of verse 3 because we see that compared to the great orators of the times, people that relied upon their own ability to speak, their own ability to elicit responses from people, compared to those types of people, Paul comes and he says this, I was in weakness and fear and much trembling. Paul is essentially saying, I am not relying upon my own power. And we can misunderstand this verse and say that Paul was a terrible speaker. I've heard this, we've heard this probably before. Paul wasn't a good speaker. Paul uh, maybe wasn't the brightest guy. We know that to not be true from Scripture. From Acts chapter 26, we see how Paul even used, uh, uh, he debated, he used uh, persuasive words. Uh, he he, He talks about himself, how he was, you know, chief amongst pharisees and and how he knew the law you know he was a very bright man he was able to communicate he was able to do these things but his point here is even though he was able to do these things he counted it all as nothing because he knew that if you were to go up to a pulpit if you were to go up to these people and rely upon his ability nothing would happen and so he says i come before you in weakness Because when we are weak, when we depend upon God, that is when God works. That is when God speaks. And so he says, I come in weakness and in fear and much trembling. He saw the reality of the situation. He saw who God was. He saw that he needed God, that he needed to be 100% dependent upon God. Or otherwise, nothing would happen. Verse 4. And my speech and my message was... We're not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Paul here is saying no to the great orators of that day. And he's saying yes to preaching Jesus Christ crucified. We see today, even in in church, and me personally, I was a big fan, I don't know how many of you guys know of the name Jordan Peterson. And I know that there's people in this place that are big fans of Jordan Peterson. I like the guy. I think he speaks a lot of, good things. But we have this situation in our churches where because we so rarely preach Christ within our churches, we look a lot like these types of people that try to preach this wisdom of the world, that try to preach morals. And so many times our youth will hear what's going on in our churches and then we'll hear a man like Jordan Peterson that doesn't preach Christ, that has a lot of good philosophical stuff, a lot of good half-truths in a sense, but doesn't present the whole truth that doesn't present Jesus Christ and we have many fans of him and I was a big fan of him but this is what happens when we don't preach Christ our the very people within our churches begin to look to secular teachers in our own churches that is to put us to shame that ought to put us to shame how, how great knowledge and truth we have here where else should we turn to and yet that is exactly what happens today so so rich is this book that we are never to exhaust its beauty and its richness never verse 4 talks about the demonstration of the spirit and of power and so many times when we hear that we think oh it must have been signs and wonders right it must have been this emotional response that you feel during a worship set I remind you, chapter 1, verse 22, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. Paul isn't talking about this demonstration of the spirit as in being signs and wonders. What is he talking about then? Let's read from chapter 2, verse 12 through 14. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 through 14. This is what it says. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What is Paul saying? What is this demonstration of the Spirit? Not about signs and wonders, not about some emotional response, but it's this understanding of who Christ is. It is this illumination of the mind of who our Savior is. That is what the Spirit of God does. John chapter 16, verse 8 says this. That when, Jesus says this. That when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict us of sin, righteousness, and the second coming of judgment. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And so when Paul is saying in the demonstration of the spirit of power, basically what he's saying is, look, I know you guys have great orators that can move you and that will leave you crying and feeling these great things. But what I want to do is just present the gospel and allow the Holy Spirit to change your minds and hearts so that you become new beings, so that you no longer love your sin, but that you hate your sin. So that no longer are you a stranger to who God is, but that you begin to love God and his righteousness. So that no longer you you love this world, but you love the very fact that Jesus is coming back to take his bride. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. And today we don't understand that. Today we don't believe that. Today we preach anything but that. The Bible again and again and again tells us that we must be born again, that there must be a clear distinction in us from the times when we hated God. Do you know that you hated God before? Is that something foreign to you? Do you think about that and say, no, there's no way I hated God before. I can't think of a time in my life when I hated God. That might be a sign that you don't love God now because you don't understand who God really is. Because if you see God for who he really is, you will understand the very fact that at one point you rebelled against him. You wanted anything but him. That is sin. That's why you sinned. Because you did not submit to Jesus Christ, but you submitted to your own passions, your own desires for your own glory. You see, the changed man, the man that is changed by this demonstration of the spirit of power is a man that leaves behind this pursuit of personal glory and does everything for the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, the most mundane things of this world, do it to the glory of God. Is that a reality in our lives? Do we think in these terms? Do we think like this? Or is that something that is foreign to us? I'm reminded also of the passage in Romans 8, chapter 29, that says that, We are predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. That is God's will for our lives. That we will begin to look more and more like Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, if that is true, in order to look more and more like Jesus Christ, in order to be conformed to that image, right? Because we're naturally sinners and we have to be changed. That's the process of sanctification where we are being made holy, right? Where we begin to look more and more like Jesus. In that process... We are being conformed to the image of the Son. If that is true, then we first must know who this Christ is. We must know the attributes of God. We must know and understand what he did on the cross for us. We must understand his holiness. We must understand his wrath, his love, and how all of these things play together. We must yearn and desire to know him more. Because if he is the object of our love, how could we not seek to understand him more? How could we not seek to know him more? And when I say know him more, I'm not speaking about a feeling you have during a worship set, which is good. But how do we know God more? It says it in John, being sanctified in the word of God. Sanctified in, cross, in, in Christ in the word of God. If you want to be sanctified, made holy, if you want to be conformed to the image of, of, of Christ, study his word. This is his word. We must know who he is. Verse 5 so that your fate might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. You see, if we will be this people, the people that preach Christ, the people that constantly think of Jesus Christ, this is what it will produce in us. We'll be resting on the power of God. There will be power in our lives. There will be power in our churches. We must rest upon this power, not upon the wisdom of man. Let me just read verse 18 again of chapter one because it is so beautiful and such a great reminder for us. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen.
2: Laudate well, să fie Domnul pentru cuvântul său. Cele ce urmează vă invit să cântăm Domnului dintr-o cântare, timp în care ne închinăm Domnului cu doarele noastre de bunăvoie, susținând biserica locală și nevoile ei. Aceasta și de viitor sunt următoarele. Mai întâi aș vrea să mulțumim fraților de la Biserica Victorii pentru bunăvoința de a fi cu noi după masa aceasta. Dumnezeu să e bine cuvintează. Tinerii lor parcă mai frumoșcă. <coughs> Toți tinerii sunt frumoși. Ei nu știu și nu prea cred odiauna. Dar se vor uita în 10-20 de ani și vă spune da, au, zis, au spus bătrânul ăla odată că toți sunt de frumoși. Dumnezeu să-i binecuvintează și tinerețea lor să o pună la dispoziția lui Dumnezeu. Mă bucur că după masă aceasta pe lângă cei de la Biserica victorii, să salutăm în mijlocul Bisericii Maranata, pentru prima dată, rude care le am din România și care ne vizitează, sora Sanda Hanga, aș vrea să rog să se ridice puțin în picioare, ea vine din Pâncăta, România, e fica păstorului Mitica Hanga, pentru unii care vă să aminte, Și ne bucurăm să viziteze sacramentul, Dumnezeu o s-o binecuvintează. Alături de ea este sora ei, care de asemenea ne vizitează, Luci Hanga. Luci, vrei să te ridici, Pitea, auștent. Ea vine din Pâncota, da? Dar locuiește de mai mulți ani de zile în Linz, în Austria. Și amândouă au primit harul acesta din partea Domnului, a vrut să fie anul trecut împreună cu noi, dar iată că anul acesta Dumnezeu a înlesnit și iată că pot să fie cu noi, le spunem, ca biserică Dumnezeu să le binecuvintează. Cât privește programul bisericii noastre, seara pe lângă celelalte întâlniri care mai au loc în alte zile ale săptămânii, Miercuri seara programul de închinare înaintea Domnului, pe care îl avem noi săptămânal, plus repetițiile Corului de Tineret și a Corului de Copii, Miercurea. Apoi, de asemenea, cred că a fost deja prezentată nunta care ne așteaptă sâmbătă. Încă o dată, celor doi tineri, Dumnezeu să-i cuvintează. Că apoi... În ajutorul Domnului de azi, într-o săptămână, să sărbătorim 4th of July, o zi importantă, ne amintim de libertatea de care beneficiem aici, în Statele Unite. Și împreună cu frații din conducerea bisericii ne-am gândit la următorul program pentru duminica viitoare. Știu că nouă ne place să mergem la Air liber, Și e bine, atunci când avem liber să facem lucrul acesta, să ne bucurăm cu familiile. Dar totuși, împreună cu frații din conducerea bisericii, am stabilit să avem slujbă duminică dimineața, de la ora 10 la 12. Avem, de asemenea, și părtășia de la cina Domnului, pentru care vă invit să ne pregătim inimile și viața, ca apoi, duminică după masa, să avem liber Fiecare să puteți să vă bucurați împreună cu familiile dumneavoastră și pe lângă libertatea aceasta de care ne amintim de a fi liberi în țara aceasta și zicem din toate inima Dumnezeu să binecuvinteze America Amen. și să binecuvinteze familiile noastre. Dumnezeu să ducă eliberare a celor care poate sunt într-o robie a păcatului. Maranatha Land are la fiecare slujbă divină o mână întinsă față de familiile cu copii mici de la 0 la 3 ani. Apoi, de asemenea, vă reamintim despre uh, ultimele bănci care sunt rezervate pentru mame și cu copii mici. Și apoi, de asemenea, un anunț foarte important, VBS, Vacation Bible School, uh, uh, O 10 iulie, de la ora 9 până la the Vacation Bible School will be on the 10th of July, beginning with 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. The theme for this year will be a life of many coaches, the story of Joseph. Ages 3 to 13, the cost is free. Please sign up your children tonight. I am informed tonight. If you have not registered your kids, uh, please register them because uh, they want to prepare a t-shirt for them, a gift. Uh, de aceea, când veți din biserică, este părinți, vă rugăm să faceți lucrul acesta, să... Țineți ascunde posibilitatea aceasta de a va avea copii implicați în viața bisericii și pe toți copiii Dumnezeu să-i binecuvintează. La încheierea slujbei în seara aceasta o să avem părtășia la pizza pentru toți care sunteți prezenți, așa că vrem să avem puțin răbdare până când slujba divină în seara aceasta nu mai e mult și se va încheia. Apoi, de asemenea, în cursul lunii viitoare, patru membri ai Bisericii noastre se vor duce în misiune în Africa. Așa cum devenise obiceiul nostru bun de a susține lucrarea Domnului în misiune, anul acesta nu vrem să fim mai prejos. Așa că la încheierea slujbei în seara aceasta vrem să ne rugăm pentru... Frații aceștia care vor pleca și am să-i rog pe cei care sunt prezenți to stand up if they are standing și să-i vedem ca apoi la încheierea slujbei să facem o pentru ei ca Dumnezeu să-i cuvinte. Uh, avem pe Sergius Ushvat, Ryan Borzu, back there, așa, next to him David Semeniuc, trei tineri frumoși care sunt gata să meargă în Africa. Domnul să-i cuvinteze. Alături de ei este și fratele Gigi Kish, care n-a putut să rămână astăzi, a trebuit să plece datorită unor responsabilități pe care le le are în Tennessee și apoi mâine în Georgia, dar m-a rugat și i-am spus că ne vom ruga pentru călătoria lor în Africa. O lună de zile vor să plece să fie în misiune. Cei care au fost în misiune știu Au nevoie de protecția Domnului. Au nevoie de mâna lui Dumnezeu. Și noi zicem din toată inima, Domnului să-i pazească. Câte ore este un zbor? Cât? 23 hours. Ați auzit, nu va 23 de ore e zborul. Meaning one way. Dacă vrei să mai vii înapoi trebuie să mai rapzi atât. Acestea fiind spuse, ne bucurăm încă o dată ca să avem Youth Choirs United la Biserica Victorii și Măranata. Haideți să mai ascultăm, să laude pe Domnul Dumnezeu să-i binecuvintează.
5: How would you speak? cannot be unseen I am changed changing still as I look upon you So my soul can find to see Îți spun că nu mai pot să sper Dacă simt un gol în suplet și-ți e greu. Nu descurăjai, nu descurăjai Turerea ta poate s-o aline Când îl tăce. O Deus Senhor, vem que nos te amo, dá-nos energia, só tine, a libertades, I should try. Jesus is calling. Says put in your ear. mi credit, I should
2: că fratele Adi Lup va fi cu noi după masă aceasta. Ieri am dat un telefon și am spus, frate Adi, it doesn't matter, cum coordonezi cu tinerii, you have to sing a song. Sunteți de acord să apelăm să cânte o cântare? God bless you.
3: Căci poți gădea oricât. Amin.
2: Le-a pregătit Domnul o seară specială, muzicală. Le-a dat de asemenea și cuvântul Său, prin care să... Medităm și prin care de asemenea să-L înălțăm pe Domnul Iisus Hristos ca Mântuitor, a Lui să fie toată lauda. Salmistul ridică o întrebare care a rămas peste viacuri, o întrebare pe care am auzit-o și eu când am fost tânăr. Și-o probabil că azi o să audă tinerii și o să audă și cei care sunt mai puțin tineri. Cum își va ținea tânărul curată cărarea? Îndreptându-se după cuvântul lui Dumnezeu. Frații și surori, fie ca acest cuvânt al Domnului să fie călăuza vieții noastre. În toate circunstanțele prin care noi trecem, cuvântul lui Dumnezeu are un răspuns, are o lumină, are o învățătură, are un îndemn are o călăuzire pentru viața noastră și fie în seara aceasta ca Duhul Sfânt să așeze cuvântul în inimile noastre. Noi dorim să onorăm cuvântul Domnului și să-l citim public în întâlnirile noastre. La fiecare slujbă divină avem programat un text. Pentru seara aceasta avem psalmul 77, accentul anului 2021, sunt psalmii. Cântările acestea de laudă și cântările în care omului Dumnezeu exprimă cele mai adânci sentimente, cele mai mari desamăgiri și cele mai frumoase experiențe pe care le are cu Dumnezeu. De aceea, în seara aceasta citim Psalmul 77, după care împreună cu worship team ne vom închina înaintea Domnului. Fratele David Ușvat va citi Psalmul acesta. Vă invit cu respect să ne ridicăm cu toți în picioare.
0: As Pastor mentioned, we are reading out of the book of Psalms, and we will be reading out of the ESV version, chapter 77. Please follow along. I cry out loud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearing. My soul refuses to be com- comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. My whole, you hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I considered the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at the end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he, in, his, in anger, shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great, like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You will, with your, with your arm, redeem your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. In deep, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. The arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whir- whirlwind. Your lightnings lightened up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your ways was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Your f- yet your footprints were unseen You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Amen.
5: Ja, da von am going Jesus we
6: tha Shevera goti Alleluia Alleluia
2: Am spus că seara aceasta, în încheierea slujbei, ne vom ruga pentru cei care vor pleca în Africa. Aș să vă întreb, vreți să ne rugăm?
5: Amen.
2: Știți că, de când am început proiectul ăsta de construcție, ne-am cumpărat o traistă de cercetor. Și adesea, pe unde umblu, de multe ori îmi frați să se gândească la implicația în lucrare Domnului de aici, Și mare mi-a fost surpriza când, odată, când am vorbit cu cineva de peste un an de zile, un om care mi-a pus Domnul pe inimă să-l întreb dacă n-ar vrea să ajute lucrarea Domnului. Și am spus, frate, n-ați vrea să vă rugați pentru biserica noastră, suntem într-un proiect de construcție. Răspuns pe care nu l-am mai auzit niciodată. Mi-a spus, nu. Nu vreți să vă rugați pentru noi? Ce nu. Am rămas nedumerit, am câțiva ani de pastorație și eu, dar așa răspuns, l-am mai auzit. Și am zis, frate, nu vă supărați, eu nu știu că vă mai întâlnesc, dacă vă mai întâlnesc vreodată, explicați-mi și mie, cum de nu vreți să vă rugați pentru noi. Simplu. Dacă mă rog și nu dau, înseamnă că rugăciunea mea nu va fi ascultată înaintea lui Dumnezeu. Așa că mai bine să spun direct că nu mă rog, pentru că nu vreau să dau. Vă mai întreb o dată, vreți să ne rugăm pentru cei care merg din Africa? <coughs> <coughs> Înainte să ne rugăm, vreau să facem o colectă specială. Noi totdeauna am binecuvântat pe cei care merg în Africa și au lucrat... Aș vrea să vă spun că eu cu oameni aceștia care își lasă o lună de zile. Gândește-te, dacă are apartament aici, apartamentul trebuie să se plătească. Dacă sunt biluri, să achitate. O lună de zile pune la dispoziția lui Dumnezeu. Să nu mai vorbim de tot ce poate să întâmple pe acolo. De aceea, frații din conducerea bisericii, noi am zis, vrem să apelăm la biserică, vrem să binecuvântăm frații aceștia, să-i sprijinim în lucrarea pe care o fac. Și în seara aceasta, dacă nu mai puteți sta în picioare, dacă vei greu, puteți să ocupați lucrurile pe bancă, dar e mai ușor când stai în picioare să bași mâna în buzunar. Dacă scrieți ce, scrieți pe numele bisericii, colecta aceasta este specială pentru Africa și pentru toți patru ne vom ruga ca mâna Domnului să fie peste viața lor. Frații cu colecta să ne ajute. Hai să vedem cum să faci o colectă când e liniște în biserică. Noi cam totdeauna cântăm. Frate Dumitru, haideți să ajutați-ne. Dacă scrieți cec, puteți scrie pe numele bisericii. Mă mulțumim în numele Domnului și Dumnezeu să vă binecuvintează tărnicea dumneavoastră. Rog pe fratele Alin Ilaș să vină aici în față. Vreau să ne rugăm cu toții uh, Domnului, pentru cei care merg în Africa, de sus să încheie rugăciunea aceasta cu o rugăciune uh, în numele nostru a tuturor și de asemenea să ceară cuvântare peste părtășia de la masă care o v-o voi să avem, Și de aceea vrem să stăm înaintea Domnului și să binecuvântăm numele Lui Dumnezeu, El să binecuvinteze pe frații care vor merge în Africa, Dumnezeu să-i păzească de orice boală, Amen. Dumnezeu să-i păzească de orice duh care poate să-i atace Amen. și Dumnezeu să le dea izbând în tot ce fac, ca mâna Domnului să fie peste viața lor, așa cum stăm. În timpul toți, în rugăciunea aceasta comună, continua colecta, că cei care au coșul se știe ocupat de el, nu-i problemă. Dar cei care a trecut deja colecta, ne rugăm ca Dumnezeu să-i binecuvinteze și fratele Alin va încheia cu voce tare. Tatăl nostru și Dumnezeu nostru! În numele Domnului Iisus vin, Doamne, cum mă rog
6: pentru frații care vor merge în Africa, pentru mâna binecuvântată de care au nevoie, Doamne, iatăși atingerea Ta măreață de care au nevoie, Doamne, cer magoratul pentru șagata. În numele Domnului Iisus, în numele Mântuitorului, cer atâși Ta, Doamne, peste viața lor, cer mâna Ta binecuvântată, Doamne, o, oh, reba, În rata, în numele Duhului Iisus, îți mulțumim de tot ce faci, Doamne, îți mulțumim de mâna Ta, de atingerea Ta, Doamne, de timpul care ei le de călătoria care le stă în față. Oh, atinge-te, Doamne, ce folosim!
1: I was searching, your love was never